Hello, our intrepid listener. Welcome back to Your Dog's Best Life. This is the 2020, 2020 WTF version, um, wherein we are all, all just happy to have arms, legs, and other body parts in their appropriate locations. For the <laughs> most part. Bar. If you set the bar low enough, you'll always succeed. That's no kidding. (laughs) No kidding. And in the theme of 2020 WTF, uh, this week we're going to be talking about uh, what happens when the world catches on fire, because that's kind of what's going on right now. Yeah. So Uh, half the the country is burning. So yeah. And the other half is currently flooded. So yeah. we talked last week with Maggie and she was she was like two minutes from being evacuated. The fire was one uh, one mile away. And wow. I know that because I've been evacuated for a fire. Um and th- thankfully, just so everybody knows, she's safe. There have been she's not been evacuated. They were able to contain the fire and hold the line there. Um, cause it's been actually a few weeks since the last recording. Cause I, I went away on vacation, but that kind of brings us into the whole, the whole conversation today. Yeah. Um, it, it, what happens, what do you need to kind of plan ahead for in case the shit hits the fan as it were, Yeah. where, like I said, I was evacuated for a fire in the past. Uh, if you live in hurricane country, you've probably been evacuated multiple times. Um, it can happen to anybody. And, or you go on vacation. So I just took three dogs on a 10 day trip through Southern Colorado and New Mexico. And there are risks and planning that you have to do to take your dogs. Or last but not least, what if you leave your dogs? So I didn't take all of my dogs. I left behind three and a half dogs. And (laughs) those dogs need to have care as well. So we're going to talk about kind of all three of those, because most of the things that you need for one will also be necessary for everything. I mean, if you need a collar for, for right. trap, you need a collar for, for emergencies. You need to, you know, these, this, most of these things are pretty basic. Some of these things we will have to bring up. They'll be a little different, but that kind of gets us started. So we're going to kind of go back and forth and just kind of talk about what you need and why, and then go from there. Yeah. So I think, like you said, it can kind of be broken down into categories of getting the hell out of Dodge, right? There's, there's like uh, mental health. I need to get the hell out of Dodge. There's um, physical safety. I need to get the hell out of Dodge. And then there's I need to get the hell out of Dodge and the rest of you need to stay here. Um, so I think the, the most pressing one right now is the, it's an emergency and we all need to get the hell out of Dodge. Um, and there are certain things that you can do ahead of time so that the last minute stuff is less overwhelming. Um, there's some basic stuff like make sure that your dog's, all have collars, you know where they are, that they all fit, that they all have tags with information that is up to date so that, you know, the phone numbers and addresses are accurate. Um, Make sure your pet has a microchip and that the information is most current. 
The easiest way to do this, honestly, is to call up your vet and say, hey, I need my vet or I need my pet scanned for a microchip. They all have the microchip scanners. They're happy to do it. They should not be charging you for it. It takes two seconds for them to run out to the car and, and scan your pet um, and just make sure that it's working. And then if you're not sure what um, company your microchip, your pet's microchip is with, say you got them from a shelter or you've had them for, you know, 12 and a half years and you can't remember who the microchip uh, manufacturer is, um, there is a website that you can go to and put that number in and it will tell you who the manufacturer is. And then you can contact that manufacturer and make sure that your information is up to date. Um, and it's really simple. It's called petmicrochiplookup.org. You, you go there and you put it in and, and it'll tell you where your microchip is registered. So making sure that that's all up to date um, and knowing where your pet's leash and carrier are, um, I know, especially for cats, we all stick the carrier up in the back shelf in the garage somewhere. And every, you know, three years when we have to take them to the vet, we spend an hour and a half digging around in the garage, trying to find it and dust it off. So make sure you know where those are, make sure that they're safe and they're not cracked and that, you know, they're easy to access and, and safe to use. Um, just those things right there will, will, you can cover pretty much any time and, and make sure that they're ready and, and available to go so that the last minute stuff is all you have to work, worry about. Because the last thing you want is to be evacuating during an emergency, which is generally a highly stressful time for everybody. And you know, your dog slips its collar and takes off and it's not microchipped or, yeah. you know, God knows what. So, and, and yeah. make sure, make sure you have, if you have multiple cats or multiple dogs, make sure you have one crate for each animal. So yes. when I was going to have to evacuate, I had to not just think about dogs and I have no cats. I had to think about poultry. And some of it is you have to be realistic. Could I catch all of my chickens if, <laughs> if, if there was a fire? And probably not. But I knew that I could catch all my geese. And I knew mm -hmm. I could catch my favorite ducks and several of my chickens. And so I needed to immediately find a bunch of crates to park these creatures in. So if you have other kinds of livestock, you need to have a horse trailer to get them out of here. You need a big enough vehicle. It does you no good to have a collar for every dog, but only own two leashes. If you have seven dogs. And <laughs> or okay, like you seems... have 10 leashes and only know where one is at a time. <laughs> it seems ridiculous to say this. However, if you have multiple dogs like that, the odds of you taking them all someplace at the same time is pretty low. So yeah. people generally don't think about that. They think every time I have taken two dogs to the vet, or every time I've taken my dogs to the vet, I've had leashes for them without thinking that they only ever take two at a time. So, yeah. yeah. And the other thing I will say too, as I said, you know, mentioned earlier before the, the dog slipping a collar, if you're evacuating for an emergency situation, this is one time I really recommend um, either what is commonly known as choke chains, slip collars, or a slip leash, because... 
actually, I recommend that and a regular, regular leash, both if you can manage it. But if, if you have to choose, that's what I, that's what I choose because you're likely going to encounter some really high stress situations where your dog may not react the way you think it's going to, um, you know, sirens and strange people and other strange dogs and, you know, car horns and, and whatever else. So best to have that safety backup there, if at all possible. That's important too, for traveling with your dog. Yes. So, uh, I work with a rescue and the number of times I hear my just rescued dog or just going into foster care dog slipped out of the car Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. So mm-hmm. I work with especially cats, but dogs too. If you're traveling with your dog, uh, either on purpose, either like vacation with my my dogs, or because the mountain's on fire and you got to get out, if you try to create a situation where you are two barriers away from escape at all times. So the two barriers can be two separate types of leashes. It could be in a case of a cat a crate plus a slip lead or a crate plus or the, yes, or the closed car door. Mm -hmm. You always want two separate things between your animal and the great outdoors. If there's any question and don't depend on your dogs to be sane at all times. So as an example, I took my dogs for, like I said, I took them on this vacation. We went into the woods had we had now we're careful where we stop for pit stops. We don't, we don't take our dogs out at truck stop type places, you know, um, cause they're loud and they're busy and there's a lot of other dogs who've been there. So there's always a possibility of disease. So I'm very careful about where I take my dogs and I take my dogs generally because we live in a state where 90% of the state is public land. I just take my dog out onto some ranch road and let them, run loose because that's the kind of dogs I have. Mm -hmm. But I'm super cautious about what happens if we have a flat, you know, what happens if I have to transport three dogs on the side of a busy interstate border collies, uh, tag doesn't like noise. What happens then? You know, so I, you always have to think in terms of, okay, well, I know how they behave in a perfect scenario, but what happens if, and that has to be in your mind. And for, for all the scenarios we're talking about, that kind of leads me to the next thing is you need not only to have a personal recall on your dog, where you can call your dog, you need your dog to be able to be called by strangers. And this, a lot of people get kind of fluffy about this and don't like this idea, but I'm going to tell you that the odds that a stranger is going to call your dog and dog nap your dog are much lower than the odds that your dog is going to jump your fence or get out the front door or, you know, lightning is going to strike and scare them or somebody's going to set off firecrackers and your dog's going to get loose and you're going to have a situation where they're going to say, well, we've been trying to catch this dog for three days and then he got hit by a car. Yeah. Yep. If your dog exactly. comes when called, that saves you so much stress. For one thing, if, if I'm as the example before, let's say I'm standing on the side of the interstate and I do have my dogs in there in crates, but I need to, you know, we need to move them out to another vehicle. We have to get into a tow truck. So, and I'm not going to leave my dogs. So I need to take them from the crates to a tow truck. And let's say somehow tag 
squiggles loose and she's scared. There's, you know, a lot of noise on the interstate and she freaks out and she runs out into the desert. Tag has an absolutely dead drop recall. I know I can turn that dog around. I yep. know that if I get far enough away from the scary noise with her following her, I can then turn her around, get her and pick her up. Yep. I also know that if, if something happens, if while I'm gone, my pet sitters are watching my dogs and they go chasing a vulture and they want to call them, that they will come to them when called. Right. So having a solid recall, both for you. And again, I'm not talking about cats. I mean, <laughs> good luck. I mean, if you can, if you want to practice it on a cat, that's not a bad idea <laughs> at all. But, but with dogs, honestly, it's my, I just, I really think it's incredibly unsafe to travel with dogs without a recall or leave your dogs in the care of another with re- without a recall. I think it's unfair to a pet sitter to have a dog who you know, if you open the door, the little guy is gone and, and put that on another human being. That's not fair. Yeah. And so I think it's incredibly important that you ensure that your dog has a breathtaking drop dead recall that you can absolutely rely on. And that in the event that something occurs and they find themselves out in the wilderness with a stranger, that they will go up to that stranger because nine times out of 10, that stranger is going to make an effort to look at those tags that you left on the collar mm-hmm. or barring the caller's existence, let's say it got torn off in the wilderness, hopefully look at the of a, at a microchip. If you're evacuating for a fire or another emergency hurricane and or something like that, and you don't, you never bothered to get a microchip on your dog, take a Sharpie mm-hmm. and write your phone number in the inside of their ear where you can see it. Or on their belly or, or wherever. Yes. Wherever their skin. Thigh, wherever their skin, yep. write your phone number so that the, somebody will find, take the effort because a lot of times microchips move and that's the other thing. Double check every, my rule of thumb is if I go to the vet, I have them check my microchip Yeah, because they will micro, they will migrate down the shoulder and most Microchip companies consider that a failure and will re-microchip for free. Interesting. So, I didn't know that. I know that they. I knew they will migrate. I have found them over the rib cage. I have found them halfway down a leg. I have found them in the chest area. Um, I have found yeah, they, multiple microchips in various locations on a pet. Yeah. So most yeah, companies consider that to be a. a a manufacturer error and they will re-implant uh, another microchip. Always good to know. Always free. good yeah. to know. So the other thing, the other thing that works really well, if, if you're somebody who doesn't like collars on your dogs and there's, there's quite a few of them, I get it. Um, so you don't have collars around and you're like, I don't want to keep a collar and I don't want to keep a tag. And I'm, you know, I move all the time and I don't want to update a tag every time I move, blah, 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 blah. Super duper easy. Go to the dollar store, get a cheap plain colored collar and a permanent marker. And just same thing. Just write your phone number in permanent marker on the collar, you know, like as you're getting ready to go out the door. And there's, there's cheap and easy ways to make sure that your pet is identified. The other thing I will say to do, and this is incredibly fatalistic of me, but it's important. Take pictures of all of your animals. Like right now, 
have somebody help you take them outside, take a picture of their left side, take a picture of the right side and take a picture of them from front on and then email them to yourself. Like, don't just keep them on your phone. Send them to yourself somewhere so that you have an updated picture of what your animal looks like, because there is nothing more disheartening and sad than to see a missing dog ad for a 13-year-old dog. And the picture is, is when they were eight weeks old and they came home, because that's the only other picture that the owner has. Yeah. So ID photos of your dogs, all of them. and Well, all of your pets, not just your dogs, dogs and cats, both sides front on. Any identifying marks or unusual marks, get those, get those photographed and email them to yourself, email them to a trusted friend, make sure that there are copies out there so that if you're away from home and need to be able to identify your pet to somebody, you can. Yes. Um, the other thing I like to do and I like to have is my, my pet files, um, I apologize if you hear crunching in the background. Tag decided to use this opportunity to eat his breakfast from this morning. <laughs> um, because border collies. Uh, I like to have what's called a pet file. So this for me has the uh, invoice from whatever their last vet visit was, um, a shot record, uh, the vet contact information, you know, so phone number, fax address, name, things like that. Um, and, and then that way I have everything like right there. If they're, you know, if they have any significant medical, uh, medical history, like, you know, an implant or <clears throat> something like that, I might keep that record in that file as well. Um, I keep a much more extensive one just for myself with all of that information for an extended period of time, but I keep a kind of pared down emergency version. Um, it's just one file and it, one, one folder and it's got all of the animals information in it. So I can just grab that and go um, in case somebody needs, you know, proof of vaccines or something along those lines. Um, I have it at my fingertips and that right. will go. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, right. Cause if you're evacuating, so I've never evacuated for a hurricane, but usually when there are evacuations for hurricanes or even fire, there are places that are set up for you to go. Yeah. And you will streamline your life quite a bit if you have, assuming they allow animals, which are gonna, you're only gonna go places that allow animals because you have animals, okay? Um, so <laughs> so it, it'll streamline it if you have vaccine history and vaccine records. The other thing that will be helpful is if you have your pet's pills. So when you're grabbing your own, so A, if you have to evacuate, grab your pills, put them in your purse or your backpack or something you're going to keep close to you. Same thing with your dog's medications if they need medications. I'm not talking about heartworm prevention or flea and tick crap. I'm talking about absolutely imperative their thyroid medication, things like that, things that if they cannot take them. Yeah, if they can't take them, then it's going to affect their their long term health. The other thing to be aware of is, in the in the event of an emergency, now is not the time to crate train your dog. Oh, Ideally, no your dog needs to have been crate trained prior. The other thing that's helpful is the ability of your dog to be tied up like a horse. The number of dog, it's very easy to just take your dog, tie it to a fence and 
deal with the situation. So as an example, let's say you are in the middle of evacuating and you're trying to pack everything you own in your car and your car is not big enough to fit a crate for your great Dane. So, you know, you're just going to put your, you're just going to shove the Dane in after, <laughs> after everything yeah. else. Yep. But you don't want your, you don't want your dog running in and out the door. Everybody's freaked out. Everybody's stressed. Tie it to a fence, tie it to the bumper of your car, tie it up. Um, I have six and a half dogs. I don't think I have six and a half crates up here. I do down in town at my business, but up here I don't. I don't have a crate big enough for Billy the Kid. Yeah. So Billy the Kid can be tethered. So all of my dogs can be tethered and all of my dogs, except for Billy, are mostly crate trained. So, and she would be in, a, she'd be, I think she, she's been in a crate. She's just been a very long time since she's been in a crate because she's so freaking huge. So that's really important as well. Always think again, like I said, think in terms of worst case scenario, it does you no good to have six German shepherds and six German shepherd crates and own a Celica. Yeah. Well, and the, <laughs> did he even make those anymore? I don't even, um, I just named the only small car I could think of. I can't think of a small car. Well, you couldn't fit them in my Subaru. Hell, you couldn't fit them in my, I can't fit. I can only fit three border collie sized crates in the back of my husband's in our truck. And when yeah. we travel with three border collies, we actually put two in one crate and one in the other. Cause we have to put other stuff in the back of the truck. So, so what I will tell you is I have a friend who runs a, um, like a dog sitting, dog walking, dog sitting kind of business. Um, and she has a giant transit van that she uses for taking dogs on uh, field trips and things like that. And so frequently she has multiple dogs that she, you know, she has to pick the small ones up, put them in the crates in the top, get the other ones situated. So all of her personal dogs that she has are trained to what's called ground tie, which means if I drop the leash, you can't move. Like I want you to, I want the dog to think that it is, you know, effectively tied to the ground. Um, so that she knows, you know, if she's digging around in the van, trying to get people situated and fill water bowls and, you know, sort out who's eaten what and, um, things like that, that if she drops the leash and mucks around in the van for five minutes and turns around, the dog will still be there. Um, so again, that's another handy little skill that you can work on before you have to evacuate. Um, so that, you know, if your hands are full, you know, that your dog is going to still be okay. Right. Um, right. so, you know, that, that covers, identification and general containment and physical transportation. Um, but what about things like supplies that you're going to need? So it's, this is stuff that you can put together in a backpack, in a plastic tote, in a whatever you can keep where you know where it's going to be and you can just grab it and go out the door. Um, so things like food for your pet, for CDC recommends two weeks, but you know, that can be a unreasonable quantity of food for some of us. So at least I would say at least several days to a week um, for each animal and water, because you don't know if 
you're going to have access to running water depending on how bad the situation is or how long it's going to be before you have access to running water. Um, thank Katrina. You know, the, yeah. the water that people had access to was all contaminated. Was nasty. Um, yeah. Yeah. So for cats, you're going to need a litter box and some sort of litter type material. Now, I will tell you, you can get creative here. It doesn't have to be physical clay cat litter, although that can come in handy for other situations. But it can be something, if you want something light, it can be styrofoam packing peanuts. It can be pony beads from the craft store. Um, it can be shredded newspaper. Sometimes cats will allow for that substance change, but some something for them to dig around in anyway. Uh, you're going to want poop bags for your dogs, whether it's Walmart bags or a neat little roll of scented lavender scented poop bags. You're going to want some of those. <laughs> you're going to want your pet's medications, like Leanne said, your medical records. Again, like I said, I keep mine right in a folder with, with all of the stuff. Um, the, the other thing we talked about microchips before, but make sure you have, you have your pet's microchip number written down. So a lot of times if you get an invoice from your vet and they have scanned your pet for a microchip, it is on there. But if not, just make sure you have it written somewhere on that file. Um, make it, make it easy. Make it easy. And now here's one. Here's, here's a thought people probably think of, but then don't follow through because why would you? Um, <laughs> practice evacuating. So practice with your family saying we have to be out of the house in one hour. How fast, like give everybody a job. You know, you're in charge of making sure we have this. You're in charge of making sure we have this. You're in charge of making sure we've got this covered. Make checklists, practice getting everything out, getting pets in their carriers, getting cats in their carriers, however you're going to move them. Practice how you're going to load the car because trust me, this is not the time you want to see if you're good at playing Tetris or not. So know ahead of time, I need to put the crates in, in this order or in this configuration so that I still have room to put my child in the car because <laughs> driving downtown with your child strapped to the roof is frowned upon. Yeah, people so, get really pissy about things like that. They really, really do. So yeah, practice loading the car, practice getting the pets in, make it fun, make it a good time. Like now's the time to make it like, woohoo, because, you know, you're not going to be as incredibly stressed out as you would be during an actual emergency. So make it fun, you know, tons of treats, lots of playtime, happy, happy times. And then, you know, God forbid the time ever actually happens that you have to do it. They're going to be like, okay, cool, whatever, hopping in, let's go hit the road. And and depending on your situation and the kind of emergencies you're faced with, it it's always a good idea to have an evacuation plan kind of from beginning to end. So as an example, I live in a mountaintop, and so I don't have to worry about hurricanes. Not a thing here. And actually, when we get hurricanes, it's called rain, and we actually enjoy it. <laughs> and flooding's not an issue because by the time my house floods, we've lost the entire state of Arizona, and California is gone. So... Can we say Noah? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm not worried about the, that either. What I am worried about up here is fire. And the reason that, I mean, A, it travels uphill and I live at the top of a hill. If it comes from below, it'll take out my road. And that's what happened last time was our road was cut off by the fire before anybody had a chance to get off or on the mountain. So I was actually trapped 
So we had evacuated for a fire the week prior. We had just, that fire got put out. Uh, yeah, it's been crazy. And that was another fire that was started by a gender reveal party people just buy pink balloons okay no need uh, for explosives so that fire was caused by an incendiary that was by device you? i didn't realize that was out by you yeah that was the what sawmill fire Forty-seven thousand oh. acres yeah so yeah but that poor guy who ruined his life so i was gonna say anyway. they're gonna be paying for that until the kid has kids yeah, unfortunately, it was a very expensive bill. So anyway, that fire had just, we evacuated for that fire everything. We pulled everything off the mountain except for the stock. So we pulled every, you know, all the valuables off the mountain and stored it at my mom's house. And we had a plan for the stock, but we weren't going to evacuate them until we absolutely had to. And then we never, we didn't have to. And then three days after we were allowed to bring our stuff back up, we actually had a fire on our personal mountain and that fire spread so quickly that we weren't allowed to get in. I couldn't come in and wow. the neighbors up here who were in couldn't get out. And so the thing to be aware of is once you're out, you're screwed. There was nothing I can do, but I do have a plan because there's only one road up and one road. I mean, there's only one way in here, but I have a plan for, okay, if that road is, is blocked and the fire there's no there's no sheltering in place the house is consumed we're toast i have a way to get up and over the back with an atv yeah and that you know that's the plan you know it i mean you've got to have a plan so if you know that you're in hurricane country they I, i've seen those signs you know hurricane evacuation um i've seen the signs in in california for tsunami warnings and how to evacuate so know how you're going to go and also know where you're going to go if you can not now i know you can't always i mean if the whole state of florida is getting hit by a hurricane going to your mom's house isn't going to help you <laughs> yeah unless your mom is in new york <laughs> yeah yeah but if you kind of have an idea of you know generally i think they're in hurricane country there's hurricane like centers where you're going to clump together like i think the community centers and big schools kind of know where those locations are at, kind of know the plan on how to get there via road so that you are not trying to figure out back roads for the first time because your one road has a power line in it. Uh, so, ha so have a plan. And the other thing is, is have a plan for your animals once you get there. So if you have a dog or a human aggressive dog, bring the muzzle, keep a muzzle yeah. on your dog. You and know, make sure they're trained to be comfortable in it. Honestly, I would say, all dogs should be comfortable being in a muzzle because you have no idea what's going to happen in a, an emergency situation like this. You just don't. Yeah. And it's just a, yeah. a better safe than sorry kind of thing. And make sure you have at least an extra slip lead for, you know, any of the dogs in case they back out of a collar, make sure the collars fit, have martingales or slip leads, or like she said, choke chains, anything. And it's not about, Ooh, is it bad for your dog? If your mm -hmm. dog backs out of your collar, your ethics and your morals have no place. You're done. Yep. You know, if I'd rather have a yep. choke chain on my dog and keep the dog than a buckled collar because my ethical rules won't permit me to have this tool because well, it's yep. evil. Um, I don't have to ever use it for any other purpose. Just chuck it on Just them when I'm safety. when the yep. shit hits a fan. So yep. have a plan having a, have a kind of, you know, kind of gone through your head a little bit about what you're going to do and where you're going to go and how you're going to park that, pack the car. Cause again, having six German shepherds 
and my Subaru, I'll use actually my vehicle, you know, I have seven and a half dogs and I have a Subaru. What is my plan? Well, I happen to own a very large truck. So the plan is the large truck. The Subaru can burn. I'll take the large truck and we'll put the crates in the back and I will tie dogs down in the back and we'll put them in the back seat and I might have them dangling off the roof and there'll be chickens and sheep hanging off the roof too, but we're all going to get out and we're all going to get to safety. And so that's, that's absolutely imperative. And kind of the same rules apply when you're traveling, you know, your dogs, you know, I took three dogs on a trip that I knew was fun and fluffy and happy and they're all have great recalls. And we did a lot of off leash stuff. And I know these dogs it's that's different than say having to do a cross country move with your dog who's never had a recall or bolts through doors. So that's a different picture. That dog, I would want a slip lead on even when they're in the crate, as long as they're not going to eat it. I would want two doors between them and the exit. I mean, there's no such thing as too much safety when it comes to an animal that's frightened getting loose. And so uh, and here's, here's, here's another thing to consider as well, if, if at all possible. Um, if you have a dog that has noise phobia, if you have a dog that has, um, you know, that is scared of fireworks, scared of thunder, um, things like that talk to your vet about some event medication. Event medication is anxiety medication that you give the animal um, for a single event rather than a daily medication. Um, If you have an animal that you're unable to crate train and is going to be really stressed being in a crate, talk to them about some medication Um, and have those handy because you're going to have enough stress going on in your life during that time that you don't need to worry about your dog breaking teeth or impaling its jaw on a crate, trying to chew its way out. Um, This is not the time. Again, this is not the time to be, yeah, I'm not going to medicate my dog. I'm not going to drug my dog. No, this is the time to drug your dog and your cat, frankly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Drug your your cat too. Um, Seriously, this is not fair to them. This is, you know, a scary, stressful time. You're stressed. They're going to pick up on that. If you think that your dog will need any sort of medical support um, or medicine in that time, see your vet ahead of time and get it um, and keep it, keep it updated and keep it handy. Um, And if your vet will not prescribe it, see a different vet. Yeah, because there's no reason not to do that. I mean, uh, yeah. most I, I mean, I have, I think most people have a little bit of something like that lying around. Just in, in the, even honestly, I have it lying around because Billy didn't take all of hers after her spay. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyway, yeah, just it's a, yeah. it's it's another tool that you can have to make that transition and make that event as low stress as possible. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it. And, and definitely, you know, I'd say, especially for cats, because the thing, the thing with cats is if a cat bolts, you're gone, you're screwed. You're screwed. You're never going to see it again. No, you'll never Um, see it again. And so I would rather have a cat that's gorked out of its mind and is going to stay, stay in the crate, um, than, one who's absolutely panicked. Um, 
So other things to consider, this is this is an, a situation that actually happened to me. So before I moved out here to Arizona, I lived in Western New York and I helped manage a boarding kennel. And the summer, no fall before I moved out here was when Hurricane Sandy hit the East Coast. Now, Western New York is not known for having to deal with hurricanes. So therefore, very few people are actually prepared to deal with hurricanes. Um, it was, no pun intended, the perfect storm. Um, that area of the state had had several days of heavy rain, just as New York autumns are wont to do. And then Hurricane Sandy came and dumped a ton of water on already saturated ground. And people whose homes normally never have a problem were flooding. And I mean, three feet of water flooding, not just a little, yeah. you know, yeah, it was bad. And people were being evacuated and schools were being shut down. And it was just, you know, it was, it was bad juju. And people were calling the kennel to board their animal because they had no place to go again, because this is not an area of New York that is used to having to deal with natural disasters. So the resources weren't there. So people were, you know, they could stay in hotels, but not with their animals, or they could stay with family, but not with their animals, or they could stay in, you know, shelters, but not with their animals. So they were calling the, the kennel to see if they could board their dog. However, their animal shots were not up to date and they didn't have the kennel cough vaccine. Now, I could have made an exception. However, this particular kennel could house up to 60 dogs and I was not going to be the one responsible for sending people, you know, oh, yeah. 60, 60 dogs home with kennel cough that these, these people would have to deal with on top of natural disasters. Yeah. yeah. So I had to turn people away because their animals vaccines were not up to date. So even if you don't necessarily board your dog or um, take your dog to a groomer where they might need that Bordetella vaccine. I always lean towards you should probably get it just as a, you know, cover your butt kind of thing so that, you know, your animal is safe if you do have to board it or if you do have to take it someplace where they're going to require those vaccines. Unless of oh, course there's a medical consideration, but barring yeah. that well, is always is. best. There never is for the interoral. I mean, I, I mean, that almost never causes problems. So, yeah. or the internasal. Um, so that kind of, I think, mostly covers getting away, running away. And so when it comes, so we're going to go kind of, because like I said, we're going to kind of cover all these three topics, but they all are very, very similar. But there are some things that are slightly dissimilar. And mm -hmm. one that we're going to touch on briefly is traveling with your dog. And, and that, by that, I mean, you actually want to travel with your dog. Like I travel with my dog purposefully, not because I'm moving or not because I'm evacuating, but because I take my dogs to events and trials and camping and what have you. And one of the big things that's kind of on people's minds has been for the last few years is the fact that in the event of a catastrophic crash, collision, car accident, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. almost every crate and obviously non-crated dogs are going to end up injured, dead, or loose uh, because these crates are not designed 
to withstand the G-forces in a, in a car accident. And I am not here to tell anybody what they should or should not do with their dogs. It is up to them. But I am going to say that if you are depending upon your dog's cheap seatbelt contraption or your garbage wire crate, which I own, I'm not <laughs> not speaking ill of something that I don't yeah, own no. a boatload of. Um, that is what my dogs are transported in. And I'm just using the 1970s seatbelt method of wishful thinking and hoping that we don't crash. Because I know that if my dogs are involved in a serious crash with those wire crates, the crate will pretty much just become a projectile, chop my head off with my dog, my dog no longer in it. And yes. dog and car and human, headless human will all just be dead on the side of the road. Um, so there are, you, you mentioned earlier when we were talking before the podcast, because you actually know the name of one of the companies. Some beware guys, and I'll try to Google this information for you guys for the show notes. There, somebody has done the research to discover which of these crates and which of these seatbelt contraptions actually do anything for your dog other than right. keep it in one place. And again, it's up to everybody. I'm not judging. This is not about what's right and wrong. It's about knowing what you're doing. Either choose to do what I do, which is hope for the best <laughs> as a preventative <laughs> measure, or choose to ensure that you have a safe crate that you know will protect your dog. Now be aware of the fact that if your crate is loose in the back of your car and you're in a head-end collision and that crate is not designed to dismantle and totally destruct like mine will, it is now loose in your car and it is a projectile. Unless it's seat belted down, anything in a collision is a projectile. That includes <laughs> the three it dogs in the back. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or tag sitting on the or tag sitting on the center console. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That is not the place yeah. for little puppies. <laughs> she helps drive. She's she very smart. Do. She's a very good navigator. <laughs> I've seen you drive. It's probably an improvement. <laughs> oh, what are you saying? Uh... <laughs> New York, I can't say anything. Um, oh. so, so, I, believe, I believe one of the crates that was crash tested were the brand Impact crates. Now, I will warn you, these are highly addictive. You're going to look at one and go, Ooh, I want one, which is cool. Just don't look at the price tag because um, they're several thousand dollars. Um, Ooh, ouch. Okay. Yeah. But it's a, like, you're going to buy this and, like, your grandchildren's dogs will be able to use these crates. But, um, so I believe Impact was one that came came highly rated. But, okay. all that being said, with, you know, the, the potential implosion, explosion, impaling, and other various forms of torture that may happen during a car accident... Having your animal contained is 10,000 times better than not. Um, you know, if it's, if it's any sort of accident where you are indisposed, um, and this is what I always, I always tell people this for at home and in the car, 
emergency first responders have exactly zero interest in taking care of your animals first. They are going to take care of you first. And if they can't safely get your animal out of the car, that is not their main concern. However, if your animal is in a crate or in your home in a crate and, you know, they can just pick the crate up and carry it outside without any danger to themselves or the animal, then they will happily do that. You know, if they can transport the animal safely, they will do so. But it is not their job to spend an extra 10 minutes in a burning building trying to, you know, coerce your animal into safety. So same with an accident. You know, if you're in a car accident and they open the door to check your vital signs and your dog bolts out the door and takes off into the woods, that's on they're, they're not going to be chasing it down. They're just not. And I'm sorry, but that's, I wouldn't want it any other way, honestly. No, um, no, they, they have to take care of A, the, the human being in the vehicle and B, that their own personal health and safety. I mean, you, yeah. I, I wouldn't reach for a frightened dog jumping out of a strange, frightened dog jumping out of a car. Um, that's just a recipe for poke right. holes. And, and, and that's not to say, that's not to say none of them will. There are so many animal lovers that work as first no. responders that, that yeah. they might, but you have well, to assume, you have to assume that they're not going to. So take the extra precaution to make sure that your animal is contained in some way, shape or form, whether it's a harness, a seatbelt harness or uh, a carrier or, you know, like a barrier between the, the back seat and the back door. Not ideal, but better than nothing. Um, those not in the center console, helping, no. helping navigate. No. Not, not there. No. God, you know, no. you and your rules. I'll have to tell Tag. I've told Tag this before, but she doesn't believe me. So um, I sent, I sent Leon a video right before we started recording this of later the other day um, in the car. It was, it was nice and cool. So she got to come with me on a trip and later is a little unsure about being loose in the car. Um, and she knows the rules. So uh, the top was unzipped on her soft sided carrier. So she just put herself in it. Oh, I, see. And, <laughs> I just looked at the video. She, they're, they're looking around with their head out the top yeah. of the soft Again, not ideal, but I thought it was amusing. Like, no, dogs go in crates, mom. Dogs go in crates. She's um, like, a, I've got a sunroof. Yeah, yeah. I was like, literally going like down the road to the gas station. So I was like, ah, oh, cool. You can you can ride shotgun. She's like, no, no, I can't. No, no, I cannot. Cannot. No, nope, not allowed. Uh, uh, yeah. So. Uh, so anyway, so, so okay, go ahead. I was going to say, for fun traveling with pets, the I want you to come along with me, I anticipate you being here on this trip, um, things to consider, don't take their most favorite toy that you only have one of, don't take their most favorite bed that you only have one of, um, anticipate that if you're giving them water from another location, they may have upset digestive systems, believe it or not, that's enough to set them off. Uh, stress of travel, even if it's fun stress, can set off uh, vomiting or diarrhea. So be prepared to deal with that sort of situation. Um, baby wipes are your best friend. I would be keeping several packages in the car anyway. But yeah, they need you need them anyway. Honestly, you should have yeah. you should always have some sort of wipe substance on you at all times, even with yeah. in the absence of dogs. Yeah. Yeah. They're a godsend. Um, yeah. Slip leads, long lines, 
for those mm-hmm. times where you're out hiking and you'd like your dog to have more freedom, but they should not be off leash, have a long line. I so, prefer. Yeah. So I, I bring those steel cables, those really light steel cables. I really like those. You can tie them to trees. They have snaps on both ends. I can tie them to, I can snap them onto the bumper of my car or my truck. I can use them as a clothesline. Yeah, I can use, they're great. And they're super light and they, but they, and they come in different lengths. So you can choose different. So I have like three different lengths and three different, like ones for a 50 pound dog, rest for 35 pound dogs. And they are, but they're, they're the really skinny cable stuff. So you can roll it up into a tiny little thing. Just always have it in like in the center console of your car where tag rides or, you know, mine stay in the, I have one for taking Ruby to Frisbee because she will eat her way through leashes if she's tied up. And then the rest are just staying in the RV. Um, I mean, that's a logical place for them to be. If you, if you find that you want to have one for other occasions other than travel. um, So there is a material out there for those who are not familiar called biothane. It looks and remotely feels like leather, but it's more of like a, a, a plasticky rubber compound. Um, Super washable, super flexible, strong. Um, Did I mention washable? Um, (laughs) Only because generally, if you have a log line, your dog is going to drag it through something. Oh, easily. Where the baby wipes come in handy again. Um, So that's good. So I like those. And then things like out here in the desert, things like cactus thorns and stickers and things like that don't stick to them. They don't stick to them. Just so nice. Yeah. Yeah, So those are those cotton ones away. Yeah. And you can find those on Amazon. There's a a number of manufacturers. There's no, those are are very nice. So colors material too, if you want something that's washable and can get wet and not get a stank. Right. Um, Because I I did buy dice one so he wouldn't smell like wet towels, but apparently it wasn't his collar that smells like wet towels. It's the whole dog. So that didn't, that didn't work. Because he's laying next to me and I'm smelling, I'm smelling like towels have been stacked up on the side of the house for, you know, like a week getting moldy. That's what my dog smells like because he's such a disgusting hippopotamus this time of year. The other thing, the other thing that people are not going to necessarily think of when traveling, and I guess this could also go for, this goes, could go for all three categories. It could go for emergency evacuation. It could go for um, taking my dogs on vacation, or it can go for I'm going on vacation and I'm leaving the rest of you degenerates here. Um, <laughs> go to your veterinarian. And this is probably something you will have to go in person to do, or at the very least call them in these times of COVID. And say that you want to have on file a permission to treat form. And what this means is that you are giving a third party permission to take your animal in and have them treated for any medical um, emergency that they may have or medical need that they may have. So this means, you know, if you're evacuating and um, a kennel or a shelter has to take your animal in and they have burns from a, a fire or whatever, they can take the animal to the vet. And you have given permission for them to seek treatment for your animal. Um, This is, you know, just, again, it's a cover your butt kind of situation. It's always good to have. Um, If you don't want to keep one on file, get one of the forms and carry it with you. um, So you can send it with the animal if you have to. Um, 
but a lot of veterinarians will not treat an animal that does not belong to you without that uh, on on file somewhere. Right, or your financial commitment to, to pay for it. Right. So, um, so that does lead us to the very last of our three categories, which most of the things we covered do apply to just mm-hmm. leaving and leaving your dog with caretakers. So what I mean by caretakers is what we call pet sitters or house sitters, or I have a ranch sitter. Um, I have a person who comes in, they take care of all my dogs, all my sheep, all my chickens, ducks, geese, what have you. And that is also something you need to kind of be proactive about. So the first thing I'm going to say is make sure that person is responsible. Um, I understand the need to get, it's so funny. Livestock is so valuable. And then you'll hear people on the internet saying, well, this guy wants me to pay him $20 to watch what account amounts to $10,000 worth of livestock. And I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, I think you're, you're shaving pennies in the wrong place. So yeah, I, yeah I'm not absolutely. going to, you know, I'm not going to let some little teenage kid, maybe if I had a really good neighbor, a neighbor kid who was a 4-H kid who knew my animals, that'd be different. But I'm not going to hire the lowest bidder to come out and take care of my animals. I, I need someone who is responsible, someone who's not going to panic because I have enough animals that shit happens. Mm -hmm. So I I remember a long time ago, I had a a woman come pet sit my dogs and I thought she kind of knew what she was doing. And she calls me in a panic at the time I owned three dogs. She calls me in a panic that my dogs got into rat bait and I'm like, Oh my God, how the hell they get in the rat bait. I don't have rat bait. She's like, Oh my God, they got in the rat bait. They got in the rat bait. We need, Oh my God, we need to take them to the vet. I'm like, Oh, okay. I mean, I, I don't know where the hell, it could have gotten in a rat bait. I mean, at the time I lived in a walled backyard and she rushed three dogs to the emergency center because they ate a blue plastic ball and pooped wow. out blue plastic. And it looked to her like the rat bait rat. Yeah. pieces. Well, that was, that cost me about $800. <laughs> um, and I wasn't happy. I was not happy. Yeah. And so I would rather, so what I do when I leave my own dogs is I give a very, very, I write a novella about each dog, about their, their background, veterinary, who gets along with whom, who you have to watch, who you have to, what they'll do. Um, like I, you know, I have to tell people like, if you open the front door and you're heading towards the front yard and Cody disappears, it's because she went to the chickens. She's not gone. She's simply at the chicken coop. And if the wind is wrong, she can't hear you. So you're going to have to go down to the chicken coop and call her and she'll go, oh, I remember I, there are humans here. Whereas if you're in the backyard, she'll stick around. It's the weirdest thing. Right. So, but I also need to tell people, you know, if, if this happens, you do this. If, you know, because if my dogs right. are running through the desert and they get a little scratch, I don't go to the vet for yeah. a scratch. Yeah. I don't yeah. go to the vet for random limping, not unless it's over 48 hours, I'd go bankrupt. So, but I want them to know if there's an emergency, if there's blood, if there's broken anything, here's the name of a friend of mine, who's a certified veterinary technician. Here's the name of my veterinarian. And here is pretty much spend as much as you want. My dog's life is worth a great deal. At the same time, I have to tell them if a chicken dies, it dies. That is what happens to to chickens. Yes. (laughs) Well, Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> that is what happens to chickens. And yeah. um, 
So yeah. the, the first thing I'm always going to say is make sure if your dog needs medical care and it's complicated, you're going to either need to hire in somebody who's a veterinary technician or has a very long history of veterinary technicianing stuff like you know, I'm not going to get it caught up in assistant technician. Blah, no, you know, no, just somebody you know, with the background and knowledge. Somebody who's been working at a veterinary household for a long time. If you're talking yeah. diabetic shots and things like that, or you might be better off boarding with your veterinarian for a dog in that kind of condition that I don't want to set my pet sitters up for a situation that fails. I don't, just like I don't set my dogs up for failure. I try not to set people up for failure either. Call me crazy. I don't want my pet sitter in a situation where my dog's hanging on by a thread and they get to watch it die. That's not cool. Right. I'm also not going to set them up in a situation where I've got dog fights and you have to do the whole, well, this dog has to be in this yard and that dog has to be in this yard. And if they're not, if they ever get together, they'll kill each other. That's not fair. Do not do that. Take one dog to a kennel. If your dog bolts out the front door and is never heard or seen from again, because that's its behavior pattern, you need to set up a situation where there's never, that dog never has access to the front door, where there's always two doors between it and the front door. Because it's not fair. Just because you've found a way to live around this behavior does not mean that it's appropriate or fair to ask another to to do that. That's that's not fair or correct or right in any way, shape, or form. Right. Um, the okay. other thing I will say is when you <laughs> have this issue, when you leave treats, <laughs> make sure you tell the person how many treats your dog can receive. I had a person yeah. go through an entire Christmas gift of treats that would have lasted me six months. She went through them in four days. Oh my goodness. Four days. I couldn't believe I'm like, did she just dump them on my dog's heads? So oh gosh. So, so I will say if you are looking for a pet sitter, there are a couple of things that I as a pet owner would want to hear from them. I would want to hear simple things like who is your vet? What things constitute a vet visit? What is your budget at the vet? Did you know that that is something that you can do? That you can contact the vet with your permission to treat and say, I'm going to be out of town. I may be unreachable. I authorize you to use up to $500 treating my pet um, without having to contact me. And then leave a credit card on file. You can yes, do that. And, yes, so that- and you can also you can also leave a DNR if you have a let's say you have an old dog who's hanging on by a thread. You right. can essentially tell the pet sitter and the veterinarian. You know, if, if Fluffy takes it, you know, it's too bad that Fluffy took a turn for the worse and is looking like this right before our eight week vacation to Europe. And you know, I'm not the kind of person who's going to say, well, what kind of asshole leaves their puppy who's dying to go to Europe? Because I'm sorry, life happens. And and if you've been planning this for two years and your daughter's been having a planning a wedding or, you you know, what have you, I, it, it sucks, but sometimes that's how life goes. And you have to choose what's important and don't allow another person to tell you. If you're the kind of person who doesn't cross the street without their dog, that's fine. That you be you, but if right. you no. if you have to leave and your dog is, you know, at the brink of death and you know that any any day could be its last, you're perfectly able to leave a DNR with the veterinarian. 
or an authorization to euthanize. We've had authorization yep. to euthanize forms on file for dogs who were simply being pet-sitted because they had advanced issues that we were all aware of and we'd all agreed upon the same thing. And why put the pet sitter through 15 emergency visits? So, so that's know, something else that's the too. That's something else too that I want to hear from my pet sitter is should the worst happen, what would you like done? So that is, you know, like, do you, do you want your pet cremated? Do you want me to have them held at the vet until you can come home and bury them? Do you want them cremated and have ashes returned? Do you want, you know, like there's a number of options and your pet sitter should have that information. That is not something that it should have to track you down for. I want, I want a pet sitter that's going to ask me, Hey, where's your main breaker box? Where's the main gas shut off? Where's the main water shut off? Where is, uh, you know, the, uh, control panel for your irrigation system. Guarantee you, you will be in the one spot on the one day of your vacation where you have no cell signal and your water main will break. Guarantee you, that's when it'll happen. Um, so I want a pet sitter that's proactively thinking about what's the worst case scenario and do I have the information to handle it without bothering me or you or whoever's on vacation um, ahead of time. Uh, they should have the name of a neighbor or somebody close by in case they need backup for something. Um, they should have the name of your vet, obviously. Uh, you know, if you have livestock, they should have the name of uh, the large animal vet plus a backup. They should have the name of somebody that can drive a trailer if they're not capable of. Although, Honestly, if you have livestock, I hope you have somebody pet sitting that can drive a livestock trailer. Um, trying to think of yeah. other. Well, like the other thing is, so I have trusted people. Um, I have my neighbor who who's kind of trusted with everything around the house. So she she and are my neighbors know they know how the well works. They um, they they kind of know how the mountain works. So if anything happens up here, like I'll give you an example. <laughs> We had an incident where my pet sitters were up here and they were uh, feeding animals and then they were going to go. They actually don't spend the night. They go home um, some nights. And so they were going to leave. And my neighbor had accidentally dropped the rear left tire of his truck off the cliff that Oops. is the dam over my at my livestock. And my road was blocked. There is no there's no plan B if my road is blocked. Well, there is. You have to get permission from a third neighbor to go up through his locked gate all the way around through his vineyard and his horse corrals and then through another locked gate to come back down. Well, thankfully, my neighbors all know that. And my neighbors know when I'm not around because that's the other thing is that we all spy on each other and they know when there's strange vehicles around and they will call me and text me and say, there's a strange vehicle in your yard. And I want that. I kind of want my pet sitters to be aware that they're being watched. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I don't, I believe in trusting people, but I'm also, I try not to be an idiot and I try to balance those two things. And so my pet sitters always know that my neighbors will stop by and say hi and borrow beer and borrow eggs. And, 
you know, they, they know that if there's a pet sitter there, I'll just be like, Hey, don't scare them. If they're in the house <laughs> running around how yeah. close, you yeah. know, don't scare the shit out of them. Here's their number, text them. But I also have, because I'm, cause you and I are both in the veterinary industry. We happen to have friends who are very educated in veterinary care who aren't vets, which is kind of nice. And yeah. so I have that second line of defense that can save me vet bills or save me an animal. If, if they, if the pet sitter, I can't ask the pet sitter to know everything there is to know about goats or about sheep, geese, ducks, and chickens and dogs. That's ridiculous. I don't even know that. And to ask them to be able to take care of every situation is not appropriate or fair. But at the other hand, to, to put them in a situation where their decision impacts whether or not an animal lives or dies and leave that entirely on their shoulders is kind of unfair. And so the ability of my pet sitters to contact um, my very good friends who are certified veterinary technicians and either have them come up to the house, um, which I had them do one time when, when my dogs tore an ear uh, quite impressively on a fence while I was gone, of course. And uh -huh. they were able to say, yeah, you know, popping a staple or two in there wouldn't be a bad idea. So let's just go ahead and pop a two, two staples in that will be good. And that's because they know me and they know what I right. want. Right. And that makes things a lot, a lot easier and a lot clearer for people. The ability to have multiple phone numbers to call so that she knows that if for whatever reason, the well's not working, she can call the neighbors and say, what the hell's with the well? And they can at least get that started with, well, we understand what a well is. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, we understand where it's located and who to call. And, and the other thing is, is be fair. So I, because in the land of texting, the world's a little different now. Uh, we all have phones. They're always almost on, almost always on us. Even though I was traveling all through the mountains of Colorado and New Mexico this past week and a half, I was in range of texts almost the entire time. And my pet sitter tends to send me pictures of my animals kind of randomly. Uh -huh. And that makes, you know, it just makes me feel good. It just makes me happy and I like it. Um, and, and that gives them the ability to know that they have that access to me. Now, there was another time when I knew for, I was going to be, I was rafting the Colorado river. Well, the bottom of the grand Canyon does not have fantastic cell reception. And it was, I think a seven or eight day trip. The and nerve of it. I know. And I had to pretty much say to them, look, you are completely on your own. This is, you are on your own. And I, I think it's also important to tell your pet sitter how autonomous you want them to be. If your dog develops a sniffle and you want to be texted, you need to tell them that. If your dog loses a limb and you don't care, just take it to the vet and don't bother me, then you need to tell them that too. You, right. you, need, you need to be incredibly open. And again, I think the biggest thing for me is you get what you pay for. And Absolutely. Um, I, my pet sitter is worth her weight in gold and I love her and I treat her. I'm like, here, you have all the eggs that you collect while you're, while I'm gone. I will fill, I don't even drink beer and I will fill my refrigerator with beer and be like here. So when she actually, for this last trip, she couldn't make it up her, her, she had a, a family emergency. It was, I felt terrible for her and she couldn't. And I suddenly, I'm three days beforehand, I'm scrambling and I was able to con my neighbors into <laughs> pet sitting. 
And that's a lot to ask. They have a little girl and I had to change which dogs I brought because they don't want their little girl around Ruby because, well, they like their Ruby. little girl. And so I had to leave a dog that I wanted to take and take a dog I didn't really want to take. But, um, but you know, I still, we brought them back like half a hog that my, my step, my brother-in-law butchered. And I don't know, like five cases of beer from Durango. So, you know, yeah. I mean, you can't treat someone who's watching your livestock too well. That is and I mean, when I say livestock, I don't care if it's your cat, your canary, and your dog. If they're important to you, you pay that person what they're yeah. worth. Yeah. And their because time they will, they is will worth save time. you. They'll save you and your your peace of mind on your trip. Because um, the last thing you want to do is be on vacation and be stressed and worried that things are not going well at home. Um, yeah, it's, it, it can be, it can be the best experience in the world, or it can be the absolute most heartbreaking experience in the world. So absolutely, this is one of those, like, considerate trip insurance, the better, the better pet sitter you have, the, the better trip you will have, honestly. So yeah. And I also, I also think that we have to understand that, that shit happens. Yeah. And because I've seen some things online and they're like, oh, don't use company A, which is a huge company with you know, 10,000 employees, because this is what happened to my dog under their care. Well, A, there is no one on the planet who's never had an accident happen with their own pets under their care. Right. So, you know, under my, handled, yeah, in my, in my pet, in my personal care, I've had dog fights break out. I had a dog run through barbed wire and cut the end of part of the end of her ear off and need about 50 stitches. Um, I've had tag crash into a fence and need 15 stitches. You know, I've had a dog jump where they shouldn't have jumped and break their, their foot. So I've had dice get run over by a sheep. I've had sheep run through fencing. So if all that stuff can happen with me around, then I can expect that all that stuff plus more things because the people here don't know my animals are going to happen in my absence. So yeah. I am not going to get all silly bent out of shape if shit happens. Now, if, you know, if I come home and all the water is gone, that's different. But yeah. accidents, you know, your, your lifestyle and your dogs. And if you live on the, the 10th floor of an apartment building and you know that your little cat will squip through the fencing and commit suicide, you kind of need to say that to the pet sitter. And you probably need to set up at least two layers. I'm a big fan of two layers. I want two layers between my dog, my animal, and their death. I mean, yes. that's, I mean yesterday I was, um, long story, I was climbing a cliff <laughs> to, yeah. get, to get to a fawn. And <laughs> that Billy actually. Where were your two layers, Leanne? Uh, so, but I was, so even when I climb cliffs, I always want to have two accidents between me and death. So <laughs> there are places where I'm like, okay, for me to die here, I'd have to both trip and let go of this plant that I'm holding on to for dear life. Or the plant's limb would have to break and then I'd have to slip. Or the fawn, which was putting up a bit of a fight, would have to kick me in the face and then I'd have to fall over backwards. I mean, there were all these 
get this math going on as I'm freaking rappelling down this cliff face to save this stupid freaking fawn that ultimately didn't survive um, to to try to save this thing. Yeah. And, you know, you, 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 two layers <laughs> between me and a 60-foot time. Yeah. And the same thing with my animals, you know, if, if, if I have a critter and especially if you know, you have an animal that's going to bolt, if you, you, you know, you have a, you know, cats are notorious for bolting. My neighbors leave me in the care of their cats all the time. No, I, they leave their cats in the care of me all the time (laughs) backwards and their cats are freaking devils. And if you open the door a half inch, they are, they are, even though they're massively obese that are the size of lions they will squip out through a quarter inch hole in the door and freaking evaporate. Uh-huh. And I've spent more time freaking out that these cats are getting eaten by various wildlife. I had one, I didn't see the cat for 10 days. Like I honest to God didn't see the cat for 10 days. I actually thought it was trapped somewhere in the, in bowels of the house. Like <laughs> I'm like, I can't smell it. So I'm assuming it's alive. But I never- <laughs> the damn thing the other there's another one who you had to like do the slithering in the door thing to keep it from bolting outside and then the third cat i had to play this game where i'd leave the house stand outside the door wait five minutes and then open the door real quick so i could catch it so i knew it was in the house but that's (laughs) true That's stressful for a pet sitter to not even know if your bloody animals are there. So yes, if your cat evaporates for 10 days at a time when your pet sitter's there, tell them that your cat evaporates. If your cat goes through any door that's open, you need to either say to the pet sitter, I don't care if my cat goes out, which is kind of my neighbor's thing. Ideally they're in, but eh, you know, stuff happens. Or you're going to have to set up a situation where there's two layers of, of, you know, you just put up a doggy right. gate between you and the door so that unless the cat is planning ahead, jumps into the doggy gate and waits for the door to open, in which case that cat's cunning. You know what? Yeah, it's, it's, it's trying. <laughs> it's trying. It's trying to tell you something. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so I think, I think kind of the overarching theme of this whole conversation is be proactive, plan ahead know what you need. You need a leash per dog. And actually I would want to have at least two leashes um, per dog. And I'd also want to have a multitude of slip leashes. You can just flip your leash upside down and make it into a slip leash, loosening the handle. You just slip the rest of the leash to the handle, not the slip lead. Um, You can just do it backwards. So have that on hand, have things that you could tie your dog to. If your dog chews through leashes, put them on a metal chain. I mean, this is not the time to worry about, how things look, uh, yeah. you know, if your dog, train your dog to be in a crate now, train your dog to be tied to a fence now, train your dog recall today, get your dog microchipped now. Yeah. Later, Absolutely. it's too late. And honestly, my dogs lose tags. Oh my God, I need to invest in a tag company. Yeah. And, you know, once again, when I left town, I had just bought $46 of the tags. I'm like, how can these suckers be so expensive? Granted, I get the cool little skull and crossbones for tag. and Yeah. You know, so there, are, there are a number of really cool color manufacturers on Etsy or online mm-hmm. in general. You can find them on Facebook. Like, there's bajillions of them. 
who will embroider your information yes. on your collars. So you don't even have to worry about tags if you don't want to. Um, right, or just a- buy the yeah, just buy the the cheap neoprene ones at Tractor Supply, the orange, bright orange ones. They have them at PetSmart yep. too, Petco. Yep. Take a sharpie to that bad boy and yep. throw it on your dog. Um, yep. Yeah, you know, there's always so, options. You can have. You can also use the the screw on kind that you you know the the plates oh, that you the can, kind you can rivet. Yeah, and they even yep. have ones that slide out now, so you don't have to get all fancy. They make tags now that will just slide on and off the collar. Um, yeah. So, so all, of, all of, all of those are um, really important. Those, I mean, I consider microchip to be a baseline thing. And actually I don't even think tag has one. I think I asked for one and the vet forgotten then we forgot and it never happened. So a tag needs one. Um, so any other, any other, anything, um, that you can think of? What I would say is for any of these scenarios that we've talked about, when you're preparing, when it comes to other people, assume they know nothing. Uh, pretend their name is Jon Snow. You know nothing, Jon Snow. Um, I take it that's Game, a reference. Game of Thrones reference, yeah. You ah. and like three other people okay. on the planet won't get it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but you cannot, you cannot over plan. You cannot be too specific. Nope. So go to town on that. Let your little OCD self run rampant all over that. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of websites out there, too. Like, um, I while we were talking, I had the CDC website pulled up uh, for information um, on things to have prepared for an evacuation. Uh, so there's a lot of websites out there with some great resources, great ideas. Uh, so poke around on that. You'll just your vet should have it too. Yeah, a lot of yeah. times your vet will have it, or there. A lot of veterinarians now have kind of in-house um, companies that do have created all this content already for them, mm-hmm. and so yeah. they'll just have it in PDF form on their websites. So all of these are incredibly helpful, and uh, hopefully we didn't leave anything out. And I hope that anybody traveling, whether for good reasons, fun and fluffy mm-hmm. reasons, or crappy getting the hell out of Dodge reasons. You know, I hope you do so safely with your dogs and everybody arrives at the destination safe Safe. and sound. Safe and sound. And then for those of you who are in California or Portland, Oregon, Washington. Oh, yeah. The whole the whole West Coast. The whole West Coast. uh, Please be safe. Um, Yes, please be be safe. And um, and, you know, and the other thing is, if your neighbors, you know, if you guys live in areas that are near the. You know, if you have a place, offer it up. You know, we have on our Facebook groups, if you're in a livestock Facebook group or some dog Facebook groups, everybody's always offering up land and locations. We had mm-hmm. people in Tucson when that big, when the big fire happened here who were evacuating chickens and they were yeah. on the Tucson Facebook group looking for places to house chickens short term. So there, there's always resources, but you do have to be proactive. You do have to kind of be a member of those groups ahead of time and plan ahead and and people are always willing to, to take you in. I've offered my corrals to other to horses, horse people, even though they'd have to share it with sheep for a couple of days. It won't kill them. Um, right. You know. Yeah. No. Things like that can be invaluable in an emergency situation. So don't just assume that. Oh well, you know, there's nothing I can do to help because it, it just having just knowing that there's a fenced yard someplace where you can take your dog from the hotel. And like, go use somebody's fenced yard and let your dog run around safely. 
that can be a godsend. So, you know, just try to think out of the box when it comes to helping those in need and, you know, let's kind of, kind of make it a priority to take care of each other out there. Yeah. And I want to thank every firefighter on the planet. You guys are amazing. Um, they did a fantastic job up here. We, we lost a couple houses, but they saved the rest and that's what matters. Um, and I know that they're working their asses off in California and I think they're under massively understaffed in California and, yeah. um, and I can't speak for Oregon and Washington, but I know they're all the same firefighters. Uh, cause I know when we were up here, we, the firefighters up here came from all over the Southwest. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they, um, this side of the, this side of the continent, they all just, it's yeah, all their so, territory. So, you know, stay safe and, and hopefully, you know, we'll get a handle on this and, um, we want to thank everybody who listens to our podcasts and, Absolutely. uh, you know, if you like us, please rate review, there's share, share, yeah. subscribe, some, <laughs> subscribe. <laughs> Those two R's, two S's, rate, review, uh, share, and subscribe. There you go. Uh, happy, happy travels. And we'll see you all next week. Thanks.